life goes so fast. And at the time we're recording this, with all their corona stuff going on, it's going faster. Just exactly at the point when you didn't think this thing could go any faster, it's going Mach 2, Mach 3, Mach 4. Gratitude just seems to slow that all down. It slows it all down. It lets you pause. It lets you breathe. It lets you realign with the things that are most important to you. Welcome to Your Financial Sobriety, a podcast that challenges conventional beliefs about money and life. We're here to talk about the only three relationships in life that really matter, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with other people, and our relationship with money. And they are all tied very closely to one another. If you've ever struggled with any of these relationships at any point in your life, then you're in the right place. I'm Matthew Grishman, co-owner of Gebhardt Group. We're a private wealth management firm headquartered just outside San Francisco, California. I'm joined by my business partner and BFF, Jim Gebhardt, who got this party started when he opened the doors of our firm in 2005. Jim and I created Your Financial Sobriety because we want to help a lot of people. We're on a mission to become the most disruptive money influencers of our time. If after listening today, you're able to take one step closer to keeping your money more aligned with the people, places, and experiences that mean the most to you, then Jim and I just got one step closer to accomplishing our mission. Episode 9. Wow. What are we going to do today for Episode 9? Episode 9 is all about your people. Yeah, we've we've kind of finished Part 1 of the Financial Sobriety Podcast series, this idea of relationship with money. And now we're kind of at this pivotal point where we're going to start really driving the conversation more towards that relationship with people. This is the public service announcement to remind you that if you are just tuning in for the first time and episode nine is where you're jumping in through however you got here, that these episodes have been sequential. Yeah. Right? We're really going to strongly recommend, like I had a friend the other day, uh, I bumped into her like, oh, I'm loving the podcast. It's awesome. Your whole thing on 101010 is fantastic. I'm like, okay, time out. (laughs) Time out, episode one. Yeah, go back. And then when you're done with episode one, episode two. Two, Right. right? And run run through them in sequence. Yeah, I mean, the the first, I think it's 14, 15 modules, and it it probably winds up being about 20 episodes that we're recording here in the beginning, are meant to be a sequence, right? So that we can introduce the different parts of financial sobriety as it's taught through the book, through the coursework that we're doing, through the live event that we're going to be hosting later in the year in October. So it's definitely important if you're coming to us now, like Jim said, go back to the beginning, listen to the first episode, and get yourself caught up. I mean, at this point, nine episodes, uh, pretty easy to binge listen to in one weekend. Totally. Like a Breaking Bad rerun. Exactly. Only we're breaking good. So I think it's important for you to recast the whole concept here of financial sobriety and how the book itself is in three parts. Yes. And then the book's in three parts in one in one order, and the podcast is in the other order. Right, right, which you and I made a decision to do consciously. We did that on purpose. So financial sobriety is really a story. It's a journey. It's a, it's a learning experience that breaks down the three most significant relationships that we have in life that comprise the majority of our wealth, right? And those three relationships, as I write about it in the book Financial Sobriety— starts with the relationship with self, 
getting that unconditional love for oneself, regardless or irregardless, I should say, we're, we're going to talk about some of these real crazy words we use, too, that any of our uh, English scholars who are listening can't find in the dictionary. Well, and let's not have anybody that's listening misunderestimate what this is all about. <laughs> Absolutely, okay. especially as I break down these different components. So nextly, so what, what are you going to say? Nextly, what I'm going to say is, so first is this relationship with self, right? Developing an unconditional love for oneself, kind of healing some of the ache that's happened in one's life and, and getting to that point where, you know, for me, I could look at the man in the mirror who's looking back at me and, and love that guy because so I didn't. Part, part one of the book. Part one of the book. So part two of the book is all about our relationship with our people. And how, I mean, for me in my life, you know, I had this relentless pursuit for money because I thought that if I made lots of money, I could take care of all my people. And my people would then look at me and say, you're a good dude. We love you. You're a hero. And that's what would give me the ammo that I needed to look in the mirror and feel good about myself, right? It wasn't about me just feeling good about myself. It was about you telling me I was a good guy, then I could feel good about myself. But kind of the opposite happened, right? That relentless chase for money wound up damaging a lot of the relationships I had in my life. So the second part of the book is all about how to heal those relationships, especially if there were some poor choices with money that may have affected those relationships, right? And then there's that third relationship, that relationship with money. And the whole premise behind the book is that if we get those first two relationships right, the relationship with self, the relationship with people, that this relationship with money, which... Granted, the society we live in today can make it quite complex. It simplifies it a little bit. Sure. Right? It makes it an easier thing to figure out. Sure. Because ultimately, if I'm clear on myself and my people, the places, the experiences that really mean the most to me, and I can align my money with those things, then life tends to do a little better for me. It, this idea of— And get simpler. Yeah, the idea of just simplifying all this complexity within these three relationships. I never realized— how intimately intertwined these three relationships are. I never realized that because my relationship with money was so out of whack, the effect that that would have on my relationship with my people and then ultimately the relationship with myself. Sure. So, I mean, those are, those are the blind spots that we talk about. Absolutely. Right? And your blind spot to the money was the thought process that you just described, which is if I make a lot of money— I can shower my people. Yep. My people will love me, therefore I will love thyself. Correct. Exactly. And and you were the one who kind of pointed out to me in a very compassionate way, right, that you were close. You just kind of had that all a little bit backwards. And that's when you introduced me to Jim Kelly. Right. And Jim Kelly was that guy who was able to help me start with that relationship with myself by taking off this mask and not living this kind of fake, made-up life that I wanted the whole world to see. Right. By being authentic, by being imperfect. The rock star. It was awesome. I mean, it was just an incredible process to go through. Now, in our podcast series, we've decided to go the opposite of how the book is laid out. We've decided that we were going to start the first eight episodes all about the relationship with money. Right. Why do we do that? Well, it's easier to talk about. It's easier to talk about, and I think it's it's an easier place for people to start from the standpoint of the ache that they have with their money. Yeah. Right? You had a fun, Understanding had a the fun, behaviors. A fun post on uh, Facebook <laughs> with a minion with hocus pocus 
I feel brokus or something right. like that, right. right? And then my mother with the comment on the bottom of it was I've the best. Gotta, you've got to call your focus. Yeah, yeah. Now you got to call your focus. Fantastic. Which was awesome. Thank you, Jill. That made me, that was a belly laugh right there. <laughs> Absolutely. That it, whole concept of addressing some of the money ache. Right. Is the prelude and the warm up to getting into some of the damage that may have been done with your people. Yeah. Well, which, yeah. If we can warm people up to that, well, then we can get to perhaps the most challenging part for a lot of people to acknowledge and accept. Yeah. Which is either their utter, sheer failure with money, inability to save it. I spoke with a potential new client the other day who makes a lot of money, a lot of money. And she was raising her hand and raising the white flag mm -hmm. on the fact that she was a listener. She's been listening to the podcast and she hasn't read the book yet. She said, I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep spending money mindlessly and throwing it at things, hoping that it brings me some kind of joy. And I said, well, good for you to have the courage to pick up the phone and to have this conversation with me and to just, let's just take a minute and acknowledge the fact that you got in motion today. Yes. Right. One of the best concepts I ever learned was that you don't have to get the boat all the way across the lake. You just have to get the anchor one inch off the bottom of the lake. And just get it moving forward. And then you can get in motion. Right. And that's, well, and that's why we decided to start the conversation about that relationship with money was just to get this thing in motion. Because the, the relationship with money is kind of a skin-deep thing. We can talk about it a little easier, the example being, gosh, I've made lots of mistakes with how I use my money. I spend too much money. That's kind of a skin-deep thing that I think at least I always felt a little more comfortable talking about. It was the first thing I talked to you about when I came to see you in 2005. But when I take that a little deeper— gosh, I've made a lot of mistakes with money. I spend too much money because I've got this ache inside of me with some of the relationships that I have with some of my people, right? All of a sudden now, we're taking that from skin deep down into more of the muscle tissue, right? We're getting below the surface of the skin. And if we, we can get to a point where we can go even deeper with that, I've made some mistakes with money. I'm not so great with my relationships with people, and that causes me to spend. But what really the problem is is that I look in the mirror and I hate myself. Now now we're getting to bone, and, and that's, that's a hard place for a lot of people to get to. That was a hard place for me to get to. So I think the, the sequence of the podcast allows us to just kind of warm things up a little bit, deal with things at a surface level that are easier to deal with, and then get more comfortable and gradually work down to some of these tougher conversations that we're going to be having over the next several episodes. Not Roth IRAs and 401k limits and the, the Secure Act. The Secure Act. Jinx Coke. Okay. <laughs> we almost said it. Identically. So that's not, that's not what we're talking about no, today. No, I mean, there, there are lots of great financial podcasts out there. There are lots of great people out there that talk about those things, right? How to save your money, how to spend your money, how to invest your money. I mean, there, there are all sorts of people that could teach you how to get out of debt and how to invest your money. Where I think so much of the conversation out in podcast land and, and in the major media and some of these talking heads on the, on the news networks that are money experts is they can teach you how to get out of debt, but what they don't talk about is what are some of the underlying behaviors within you that's causing these things to happen? And that's where we're trying to change the conversation. Yeah, that's right? the where whole, we're going. The whole reason we're doing this, we have a lovely business. We have phenomenal clients. And sure, the markets as we record this are in absolute turmoil. But in terms of our day-to-day, -day, in a consultancy like what you and I do, we can only meet with so many people. We can only work with so many clients. Right. And we have a wonderful business that keeps us very busy helping families one-on-one. -on -one. 
the reason that we've embarked on this whole journey with the book and the podcast is to be able to have more reach and more impact. Yeah, we want to we want to help more people. We want to be able to take what we do in a boardroom with our clients, this whole wealth formation experience that occurs over a series of multiple hours over multiple meetings and be able to give it away to so many more people for nothing, right? An $18 book or a free podcast. Or a listen, free podcast. Right? And this allows us to be able to get there and have that kind of impact and give this away to so many more people with the hopes that they'll take what they learn here about their own behaviors, go see their financial advisor and implement this into the behaviors of how they interact with their money. Because the ripple effect, if we want to just keep going, is imagining what our world would be like if we were all a little bit more financially sober. You you and I are on a mission, right? We, we are on a mission to be the most disruptive money people of our time. And if we accomplish our mission and just picture for a moment what this world could look like if everybody had a little more financial sobriety in their lives, like you just said, what would that world look like? Holy cow, imagine that. We'd be a little healthier. Poof. Think of the trillion-dollar debts and deficits that we have at government, corporate, and personal levels. All that would be wiped out. It wouldn't exist. I mean, financial sobriety is all about aligning our money with the people, places, and experiences that really mean the most at a core value level. All that goes away. All that goes away. The millions and millions of tons of plastic floating in our ocean doesn't exist anymore. Because we're not buying it mindlessly. We're not. And think about half a million people in our country alone are going to sleep on the streets tonight. Yeah. They would have roofs over their heads and a warm bed to sleep in if every single person had a little more financial sobriety in their lives. This mission that you and I are on, brother, it is critical. And we're going to spend the next 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, however long it takes to see it through. Absolutely. Who's coming? Who's coming? Who's with us? And we're going to carry that flag on a, uh, a bi-weekly basis on this podcast and hopefully in other trainings and workshops and live events that we'll be doing when we're allowed to do them. Absolutely. Now, people have to put up with something in dealing with you and me. You and I, we're, we think alike, we finish each other's sentences, and we've come up with a whole bunch of goofy sayings and words. And for those of you who are just jumping into this episode, you've probably heard us use words. Oh, no, I'll be, I'll be real specific. This is a <laughs> shout out to my buddy Kevin, the English major who uh, gets all confuddled when we use words that don't exist. Exactly. But irregardless of what Kevin thinks, I think most of our listeners do not misunderestimate the message that we're trying to accomplish. Fantastic. Mission accomplished Mission on accomplished. that right there. Yes. So yes. we try not to take ourselves too damn seriously. No. And we try to bring levity to a topic that in our society is kind of taboo. Yeah. I mean, you don't just like hang out with friends at the park going, hey, you got any money problems? I mean, like, are you good with your uh, your girlfriend and the, the wife and the kids and whatever on money? No, she spends it all on me. I mean, this is common conversation in the park. Yeah. So we've got lots and lots and lots of buried treasure treasure when it comes to the content that we're talking about. Yes. So money guys don't often talk about emotional, fuzzy, warm- Fuzzy bunny foo-foo. Stuff, right? I, I like fuzzy bunny foo-foo. And this episode is about that. Yeah. I mean, this was a long segue in, but we needed to kind of reset and reframe what's going on in terms of what our message is. But this episode today, ladies and gentlemen, is all about gratitude. Right. Well, let's hang on. Hang on. Before you give it all away, back the truck up. Oh. We're getting into now- the relationship with people. Yeah. 
And, and the very first module is all about this concept of what we call the epicenter of true wealth. Sure. Right? And, I was going to get there, but and, that's cool. Oh, you wanted to go the other way. Oh, look at you. I love disagreeing with you sometimes. Oh, it, it just like this is friction. Yeah. <laughs> this is oh, we're, my God, we're having we're, friction over gratitude. We're having a fight. This is classic. This is how we fight. So in the context of all of the modules that we've created, right, the curriculum that we've built around financial sobriety, this is what we're calling the epicenter of, of wealth. The, and, and what the epicenter of true wealth is, so if, if we're to sit down and try to measure in a traditional sense the totality of our wealth, these next three episodes are really going to zero in on what we would consider the epicenter of true wealth, the single greatest component component to true wealth, which really is based on our ability to connect with one another. The single greatest factor, the single greatest component to our ability to create wealth in life is based on our ability to connect with people on a genuine basis. Right now, we have to do this. You're I'm feeling making, it. I'm making a, executive um, an executive motion. Okay, go. We're recording this in the middle of a healthcare crisis. The coronavirus is a global concern, and we have social distancing that has been mandated. Two words that I'm not sure have ever been connected in the in the context of the English language. Well, you and I are sitting about four feet apart from each other. Sure. That's about the farthest you'll ever find us away right. from each other. And the ability to connect with another human being is being put on pause right now. Yes. This episode, the next three episodes, are critical because my concern is that we come out the other side of this coronavirus and we keep with social distancing. We, it, it becomes the new, the new norm is that I bump elbows with you and I no longer give the people that are the most important people in my life a hug. Well, this has been going on for years now. Social distancing has been happening because of the invention of this thing, because of the invention of the smartphone. We've been experiencing forms of social distancing because of things like social media where I don't have to have a conversation with my son anymore. I can text him if he's sitting in the other room. These are things that we're starting to see, and now it's right in our face and it's being mandated to us. And I think going through these next three episodes is going to be critical at healing that and teaching, not only reminding each other, but teaching others how we can still connect with one another despite all this social distancing that's being mandated from above. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So go back to the G word that you well, started to tee okay, up. Okay, so... So we, we have three critical steps, Yes. right? There are three critical parts to the epicenter of true wealth. This episode, we're going to talk about this concept of gratitude. In the next episode, we'll talk about this idea of vulnerability. And then in the third episode of this module, uh, we're going to talk about the concept of trust, right? How to gain it, how to keep it. So let's jump into gratitude. You're the first person who ever really taught me what true gratitude looks like, and this is all you, brother. We have four kids, as you well know. I well know. And our oldest daughter, Emily, was about six I'd been participating in a, uh, an entrepreneur's coaching group for a number of months at this point. And it was baseball playoff season. And we had been, for the several months before that, we had been talking about this concept of positive focus. This is a concept from uh, Dan Sullivan's program, Strategic Coach, which was the program I was in. The whole methodology is to just find something that you're grateful for. Hmm. And share it with another human being. Oh. And we have a little bit later in the agenda here today, we talk about, you know, the dinner table. And this is where when Emily and Grace were five and three, we would make this part of the dinner conversation. Like, what was something that made you happy today? 
And then we'd flip it around. What was something that made you sad today? Because we wanted to get them to start to be able to share and talk about their emotions. Right. So my wife was going off to a charitable board meeting, and my girls and I were sitting on the couch, snuggled up watching the baseball playoffs. We're sitting there, and I, I mean, come on, this is like the highlight of my day. I've got both of my girls to myself. Watching baseball. We're on the you. couch watching baseball. I mean, we could have been watching nothing, and it would have been absolutely delightful. Yeah. And sweet Emily, without even batting an eye, goes, Daddy, what was your focus pocus today? <laughs> and I, I started laughing like that, but then I started to cry mm. because to me it was so – it was so incredible that a five-year-old could grasp the power of gratitude. Yeah. And I said, sweetheart, it's right now. It's this very moment. And I can't stress enough how in crazy times, how important the concept of gratitude is. Because you can always find something to be grateful for. Always. I've had loved ones on what felt as though to be their deathbed. And just the sheer moment of being able to hold their hand gives you gratitude, gives you something to be grateful for. I am so grateful that in 2008 and 2009, you and I were each alone on our own islands trying to make sense of the crazy that was going on in the world. And I am incredibly grateful for the fact that you and I have each other to help bring a sense of calm and ease to the lives of our clients and our families. We have each other. This job is hard enough when you're on your own, and I've made fun probably on this podcast, about Tom Hanks in Castaway and sitting there in the cave yelling at Wilson. Right. And the gratitude of having a team that works with our people. And we've got Jeff here in our studio that helps us get this message out. I mean, there's a lot of people that we get to work with that I'm immensely grateful for that help us share this message and help us champion the cause of what we're trying to do. What does gratitude do for us? Why is gratitude such an important part of connecting with people. What does it do for us individually? We have an exercise when you come into the office and you're a client where uh, we go through it. And on our agendas, it is Focus Pocus. I mean, we've we honored... Named, named it after Emily. We yeah. absolutely named it after Emily, much in the same way as we named our discovery meeting. <laughs> our inventory uh, meeting. Our inventory intake form, <laughs> the bag of crap analysis. Right. We named that after a client. It's the pause button. What do you mean? I don't know what your day's been like when you've come to see me. I don't know if you've been in a fight with your wife, a fight with your boss, if traffic was bad. On, on, the, on the way here today to the studio, I almost got in an awful automobile accident. And I have no idea what somebody's day's been like. And gratitude is the most amazing reset. It is the most amazing way, my dad being a contractor, you snap a chalk line when you're trying to figure out <laughs> exactly point A to point B. Bam, you snap a chalk line every time you go through an, a gratitude exercise because it's letting you get back in touch with what's important to you. And the way we do the exercise is you get to go f as far back in your memory banks as you have to to come up with something. We were doing this exercise in the workshop with our coach in the strategic coach program, and it's critically important that when you go through it that you share the gratitude and why, right? Hmm. So if it's, if it's I'm grateful for our team and I'm grateful for you, the reason why is because I can't do this by myself anymore, mm. right? Yep. So we're doing this in the workshop, and one of the guys kind of starts laughing, and then he starts crying. And we kind of did a timeout. We're like, you know, Bob, what, what's hitting you? What, are you okay? 
He's like, I'm just, I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed of myself that I forgot in the last 90 days that I had a grandchild. Life goes so fast. And at the time we're recording this with all their Corona stuff going on, it's going faster. Just oh. exactly at the point when you didn't think this thing could go any faster, it's going Mach 2, Mach 3, Mach 4. Gratitude just seems to slow that all it down. It slows it all down. It lets you pause. It lets you breathe. It lets you realign with the things that are most important to you, right? This isn't an exercise about anybody else but you. And if you've got to get right, if you've got to get back on board, if you've got to get back up on the horse because whatever, you've fallen off the exercise or you've, or you've taken in too much of the media or whatever it is, this is the absolute best thing I have ever experienced in my life to help somebody do that and to be able to do it very quickly. Well, there's almost a physics component to this too, right? Two things can't occupy okay, the same. Okay, Einstein. Thank Wait, you. Yeah, well, that's, you know, we're going to get sciencey now. Absolutely. Well, we like can't, endorphins and stuff. You won't let me talk about Roth IRAs and stretches and other stuff. You so can we stretch get, later. I'll stretch later. So we'll do science now. This is science class. It, and I don't know if it was Einstein, but one of those really smart scientists from way back when said that two things can't occupy the same space at the same time. And in an environment where there's lots of scarcity, lots of fear, lots of worry, like you described, people coming into our office, we don't know what's been going on before that. But if all of a sudden now we can take a break and spend a few minutes talking about what we're grateful for and why, fear can't occupy that space at the same time that gratitude's there. Correct. Positivity and negativity can't occupy the same space, so one of them gets flushed out. Think about how much more powerful. I mean, just imagine... How much more powerful if if you're going to sit down with your partner and go through all of the exercises in all of these last episodes we've talked about, about getting your relationship with money right-sized, and we've introduced a lot of writing exercises and taking inventories and getting to the top of the mountain, building the blueprint, right? All these things that we've introduced, how much more present and in the right frame of mind are you going to be if before you sit down to do that, you and your partner have a quick dialogue about what it is you're grateful for today? How freaking cool is that? Uh, that's powerful. Yeah. That's what this is all about. Yeah. You can't expect to go on a journey into the dark and not be full of light when you start. Right. Right? I mean, you just, you can't do it. Right. Blind I mean, leading the blind. Blind leading the blind. You're not going to have the courage to be able to forge ahead. Yeah. I mean, when you're watching those scary movies and you see the idiot that starts to go down the hallway and it's pitch black or they're in outer space and it's pitch black, the amount of courage that that takes. I find that gratitude is like what refills my courage box mm. the fastest. Your box or your barrel? Uh, sure. I need a <laughs> barrel right now with what we're going through. But I have this little gratitude box that my wife gave me a number of years ago, and it sits on my computer. And I keep telling her, I need a bigger one. You need a bigger box. <laughs> we need a bigger boat. But another thing that it does is it's like that shield. Oh, right? yeah. It's like the shield that the warrior wears to be able to combat all the resistance that's coming at them. Yeah. And it acts like a, a... Like a resilient shield. A resilient shield. Yeah. So if we were, you know, if we were superpowers, we'd be able to just hold up that shield and it would deflect away all that unbelievable resistance that comes at us every single day. Yeah. So gratitude becomes that resilient shield. That's awesome. So what I'd like to encourage you to do right now. as, as Yes, you. Okay. You and anybody else who might be sitting next to us and, and having this conversation with us today is to sit down for a moment and let's take five minutes. 
we can pause the podcast and let's take five minutes just to sit down, take out a pen and a piece of paper and spend a few minutes just writing about the things that right now you're grateful for. And why? Yeah, the exercise is actually useless without the why. Yeah. The why wraps it and brings it all home. Yeah. So please hit the pause button. This is not a complicated exercise, and it is, and go back as far as you have to. And let's see how you feel when you come back. Let's see if something's changed. All right, you're back. How'd that go? Do you feel any different? If you're sitting here with somebody else, I encourage you to share what it is you just wrote. What is it that I'm grateful for and why? Share that with someone you're with and then ask them to share it back with you. And just take a moment to feel the shift, the change, right? Especially with everything that's going on out there today, you, you may be listening to get a break from it all, but how much more has your mentality changed just because you replaced whatever angst you came into this episode with, and now you've replaced it with gratitude? It's happened to me just recording this episode. Yeah. I mean, I was all kerfuffled today <laughs> you sure uh, with, were. with what's been going on, and the energy boost... You're going to quote Einstein again or something on endorphins. But Probably. the energy that I feel now is I could go walk through walls. And we're going to have an afternoon of calling clients and talking about tough stuff. And I now have the energy to do it with just a very simple exchange of gratitude. All right. So let's start kind of wrapping up this episode on gratitude by helping each other, just by helping you to start developing this habit of bringing gratitude into their daily life. What are some things that we could do every day as a practice? Because it, it takes some time to change habits. Our friend Bo Eason taught us that it takes 67 days of consecutive behaviors. Not 21. Not 21 like days. Like we've heard over and over and over and over. We've heard it over and over. 67 days. 67 days is what we've been told by one of the coaches in our lives who's probably had the biggest impact of any other coach we've ever worked with. He talks about changing behaviors by intentionally setting 67 days in a row of an intentional behavior. So how can we take gratitude, a noun that we often hear, and turn it into a verb where it's an action item that we're putting in place every day for the next 67 days? What do you think? So there's a couple of different things that come to mind. If you're someone that likes to write and use journals and things like that. Yeah, I've been known to do that. Yeah. So go get a composition journal like you used to have in high school or middle school. Make it your gratitude journal. Hmm. Write, what do I write do down it? every morning or whatever time of day works for you. For me, it tends to be morning. Some people like to do it when they go to bed at night. Kind of a nice way to clear the day, right? Yep. If we're flushing, flushing, flushing the things, decks, flushing like the decks, like to say. Yeah. that's a nice way to be able to do it. Yeah. Another great way is setting some kind of a reminder on your smartphone. And you can set it up so that it pings you at you know what you think is the right time of day. And you can keep the notes right on your iPhone. So what I do on my phone is every hour on the hour, I have a, a notification go off that says, what am I grateful for? And what it does is it just every hour, it gets me out of whatever scarcity mode, crazy mode, sucking in all this 24-hour news cycle mode. It snaps a chalk line. And it snaps a chalk line. Boom. What am I grateful for? And, and away you go. We also, like I said with Emily and Focus Pocus, is the dining room table. Mm, great place. Is a wonderful place to engage because, again, if you're sitting there with your family or just your partner, it's a great way to be able to kind of get the conversation started about your day or for them to be able to flush. Maybe they had a lousy day. 
And it's a great way for them to be able to flush and go, you know what? I'm grateful we're all sitting around the dining room table having dinner together. And we're having a nice meal in our home or one of our favorite places. And how uh, just it's beautiful. Hey, Jim, what's your focus pocus today? This. The ability to be able to do this today hmm. on the worst day in the history of the stock market is the day that we're recording this with the Dow down 3,000 points. And that we can take some of our skills, some of our talents, some of our learned applications, and be able to record that that can go on way past you and I mm -hmm. and have a lot of reach and hopefully a lot of impact and give people something that they can do in their own lives to make life better. Awesome. Awesome. Well, gratitude is that first key critical step to recognizing the power of human connection and to start healing some of the relationships with people is, is to be able to express this gratitude, not just as a noun, but as a verb, to go out and show others this gratitude that I feel right now. And it comes out just in my behaviors with the smile that's on my face, the calm that I feel, the, the gratitude that I have that my son is sitting here in studio listening to us today and what that means to me and, and how I feel about that, right? There's so much to this gratitude thing that it is one of those three critical steps to human connection, to the epicenter of wealth. And I can't wait to take the conversation even further in our next couple episodes when we get into the concepts of vulnerability. Oh, boy. And trust. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is just That's, getting started. Oh, we're just warming up the we're bus, folks. We're just warming up. Absolutely. So what do you think? We cover Th it today? That is a wrap, sir. Absolutely. That is, that is a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com, for more information and upcoming events, like our two-day live event that we'll be hosting in October 2020 here in Sacramento, California. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety, I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, but until then, be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance.